Welcome to Passion Life Church. Today we continue this I Am series. We have one more next week. We're going to end with Jesus, the name above all name. And we have gotten this series title from Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am because God was sending Moses back to Egypt. And Moses knew that his name didn't have a good reputation. So he wanted the children of Israel to know who was sending him and God revealed a name. This I am, I am means I am present. I'm always relevant. It's the word Yahweh. Would everybody say that Yahweh? It means existing one. I was reminded as I was going back through this, it means I will be what I will be. In other words, God has a name for every situation that you have, and he will be what you, will, uh, what you need. You know, in the New Testament, the Pharisees were trying to figure out who Jesus was again. And this is fabulous because we're going to dive into this a little bit more. And again, Jesus responds with a name. John chapter 5, verse 58. It said, then he said to them, verily, verily, I say unto you, he says, before Abraham was, I am. Notice he didn't say before Abraham was, I was. He said before Abraham was, I am. And every name flows from this name, Yahweh. And so it's so important because we know God by how he reveals his name. And today what we're going to do, we're going to talk about Jehovah Jireh, our provider. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. I have been praying for you this week because um, what I'm about to share with you, I feel like God has just given me some revelation on. I'm praying that when you leave here, that you will have a new revelation of who Jesus is in your life. I pray that as this name is revealed to you, that you will see him in such a different way. You know, God expresses himself through his name. I was thinking about my life. You know, I was Phil, right? I am Phil. And then I met my wife and first we were friends, right? She knew me as friend. And then she knew me as boyfriend. And then praise the Lord. Now she knows me as husband. It's a different name. But now she also knows me as father. All different facets of who I am. And it's the same with God. It's the same person, but a different name to reveal a different facet of his character. And he made it so that every one of your needs, he would have a name for that need. And every attribute of God, God's character is essential to your well-being. I want you to think about that for a minute. These aren't just names that we're going through so we can just remember, okay, this name or that name. It's actually his names are essential and every name has an attribute attached to it. And every attribute that God has is essential to your needs. We need peace. We need righteousness. We need to overcome in life's battle. That's why we need Jehovah Shalom. That's why we need Jehovah Sidkenu. That's why we need Jehovah Saba, our warrior. And today it's so important. I think you would say a good amen to this. We all need provision. Can I hear a good amen today? We need provision, and God knows that. I woke up this morning, and I was thinking how many things from the time that I woke up at 5.15, I wake up on Sundays to pray and just to go through the notes again. I was thinking at 5.15, how much has God already provided for us? The sun came up. Come on, somebody. There was air for us to breathe. I have a house. I have a family. I have a job. I have a church. All of these things he has already provided. But God knows that you need provision. And so he chooses to reveal this name to Abraham. Abraham is a fascinating guy in the Old Testament. 
He's one of my favorites because he really is a trendsetter. And what you're going to see today, why he's such a trendsetter, why he's such a hero, is because he lived a life of faith. You know, God told Abraham that he was going to be a father of many nations. But he told him that when he didn't even have one son. And so Abraham is literally seen as the father of the faith. But he had to wait. He was one that the Bible says that we have to follow with faith and patience because he wanted a son, but he didn't get his son until he was 100 years old. How many of you know there's hope for you, right? And it's funny because we wait a week and we're already impatient with God. And Abraham was 100 years old, but God was faithful. Now that son, that promised son, Isaac, God is going to ask him to put on the altar and to give him as an offering. Genesis chapter 22, verse one, it says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Listen, I love this. I love Abraham's response to God. And you're going to see it every time God speaks to him. He says, here I am. What an incredible response. Here I am. He said, then he said, take your son, your one and only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Mara and offer him there as a burnt sacrifice on one of the mountains of which I tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took of his two young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood of the burnt offering and it rose and rose and, and went to the place of which where God told him, you know, the name of Jehovah Jireh is such an exciting name, but yet it is such a, a necessary name. And I think we need to understand when you read this story, I know this story can be a little complicated, but I really prayed this week and I hope that God would reveal some things to you because it's always important, especially when you read the Old Testament, that you look for Jesus because he is the word. You know, this story is really about a father's love, a father and his son. And it's important that we understand that when it says God tested Abraham, did God want to find out what was in Abraham? No, God already knew what was in Abraham. No, God wanted Abraham to find out what was in God. Come on, somebody. And so the question becomes that a lot of people ask is why would God ask Abraham to put his son, his only son on the altar? You know, what's interesting to me about these people in the Bible is you never see them ask why. We're the only ones that ask why. When you look at Paul's life, you look at what Paul went through, you never see Paul looking up to God and say, why am I going through this, God? They don't say that. Abraham always says, here I am, God. But you know what? We ask God, and here's the answer. Number one, when God gives us an instruction, there's a revelation he wants to reveal to you. God wants to reveal Jehovah Jireh, his name, his character, this attribute to Abraham. And my friends, I want to tell you something. God wants to reveal this attribute into your life as well. You know, God had big plans for Abraham. And the reason why he wants to reveal Jehovah Jireh to Abraham, because he wants Abraham to know that the incredible future that Abraham has, that God has for Abraham, Abraham will not be able to accomplish on his own. And so God wants to reveal Jehovah Jireh to, to Abraham. But when we respond in faith, when God tells us what to do, 
we see and we have a new revelation of who Jesus is. So this story isn't just about Abraham and Isaac. As a matter of fact, this story is a demonstrative story of God the Father and Jesus. There are so many correlations about God the Father and Jesus that when we go through them, here's my prayer, that you would see God's heart and you would see Jesus's love for you because the correlations are many. Here's the first one. God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer writes this about Abraham. It said, take your only begotten son. Well, Pastor Phil, didn't Abraham have two sons? Didn't he have Ishmael? This is what's amazing and what we need to understand about the New Testament. When you read in Hebrews chapter 11, which we call the hall of fame of all of our heroes, right? When God looks at our heroes, he only, he only writes about their acts of faith. See, Ishmael was an act of the flesh. Ishmael Ishmael represents what Abraham did on his own. He tried to fulfill God's promise by going into Hagar with his wife's consent. Come on, somebody. It wasn't just Abraham. I didn't hear any amends from the ladies. You notice that? Did you notice that? I said Abraham didn't go by himself, and we need to be correct, ladies and gentlemen. It was his wife's idea. When Sarah said, can you go in with Hagar and make some babies, Abraham didn't say, I'm going to pray about it. He said, yes, ma'am. It's true. Amen. That's why I always do what my wife tells me. No, I'm kidding. So it represents the flesh, what Abraham did in the flesh. But what's interesting is when you look in the New Testament and God writes about the heroes, this is what's so amazing is that he doesn't reference what they did in the flesh in the New Testament. It only references what they did by faith. Come on, somebody, right? It says by faith, Moses, by, by faith, Gideon, by faith, you know, Samson is in the hall of faith and it doesn't mention Delilah. It's what he did by faith. And so in the New Testament, our heroes are written about what they did by faith. Did you know that Abraham lied? Did you know that Abraham slept with his, with his, um, servant? And you know what the Bible says in the New Testament about Abraham? It says he never wavered in faith. That's amazing. That's a new covenant. That's how God sees you. See, when he says that he forgives our sins and he remembers them no more, He means that he remembers them no more. Can I hear a good amen today? So it says that God told Abraham, take your son, your one and only son. Number two, Abraham loaded up the donkey. Jesus got on a donkey before he went into Jerusalem and was crucified. You know, another correlation is that it was a three-day journey from Abraham and Isaac to go to Mount Moriah. You know, Jesus's journey was three days. He was crucified on a Friday. He took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave on Saturday, and he rose again on Sunday. Here's another correlation. Isaac asks his dad, where's the sacrifice? Isn't that interesting? I like Isaac. It's like he's going up. He's like, I'm noticing something. We don't have a lamb. Um, Dad, where is the sacrifice? 
Listen to Abraham, Genesis chapter 22, verse 8. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Now, I want you to notice something about Abraham. He is called the father of our faith. People of faith speak those things as not as though they were. That's what faith does. Listen to Abraham's profession. Abraham is professing faith before he actually sees the provision. He's telling his son, looking at his son in the face and saying, watch this, God will provide for himself a burnt offering. That's total confidence. But isn't that exactly what Jesus did? Isn't that exactly what God did? That's exactly how God redeemed you and I and saved us, didn't he? God provided for himself a sacrifice. And what was the son's name? Jesus. The Bible tells us that Isaac would carry the split wood on his back up the mountain, just like Jesus would carry a cross. Genesis 22, verse 6 says, So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac, his son. And as before, the Bible says they went up to the mountain. Listen to what Abraham said. Abraham told the servants, he said, we will return. Genesis chapter 22, verse 5. And Abraham said to the young men, listen, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder. I think he was from the south, right? We will go yonder and worship, watch, and we will come back to you. And we will come back to you. See, Abraham was understanding who Jehovah Jireh was. When you understand that he is your provider, you will begin to say things that are in line with what God wants to happen. And if you say it, you'll see it. If you say it, you'll see it. If you don't say it, you will never see it. Your words matter. Do you know that Abraham at this time in the Old Testament, he is saying and speaking of a resurrection. He is the first one that has a revelation of resurrection. Hebrews tells us that he actually believed that if he were to take the knife and really kill Isaac, he had such faith in God that God would resurrect Isaac from the dead. Let me say it this way. He had faith that God would raise his only begotten son and have a resurrection. It's very powerful. It's very powerful. And this is what he's speaking. He's speaking. In my church family, I want to remind you, his declaration is going in the same direction of his life. Just like David, when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's not hiding. He's actually moving in the, de- in the direction of what he's declaring. And so that's why what you declare is important and the direction of your life is important. And if the direction of your life is not where it is, you need to start with declaring things. Can I hear a good amen today? But it's very powerful because he so believes that God will provide that he's walking his son up the mountain to give him as a sacrifice. But he's speaking faith. He's speaking outcome. You know, I don't think this is any coincidence, but 
You know, the last, kind of, the last three months, I've been really, really watching what I'm saying. It's so important what you say and what you speak. You know, I was hanging out with some people, and I want to remind you, I want to give you a warning. If you're my friend, what, anything you do or say could be used in a sermon. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, I'm warning. You may not want to be my friend. But I was hanging out with some people the other day, people I like. And we were talking, and the wife said, yeah, but he has MS. And I looked at her, and I really, I really, something, the Lord is doing something to me. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older, so I'm getting more grumpy. Come on, somebody. I said, don't you say that. Why are you saying that? We just prayed for him, and we declared healing over his life. But here's the reality. I can't agree with you in prayer if you don't agree with God. But how can we agree with God in one moment and then declare over his life that he has a sickness? My church family, which one is it? And then she stopped and she said, the doctor said, I understand what the doctor says, but my Bible says that he is a great physician and we need to declare that over our life, no matter how we feel, no matter the thoughts that are going on in our mind, that you need to say it before you see it. Because if you don't say it, you will never see it. But if you see it, you, it's because you said it and you think that's a bunch of new age garment. No, it's the word of God. That you speak those things out. I am healed in Jesus' name. I don't care what the doctor says. That we begin to say, I am healed. Well, the doctor says he has MS, yes. But Jesus says that by his stripes you are healed and that you are whole. And you need to start letting it come out of your mouth. You need to start confessing it because that's what is confession is faith's expression it needs to be brought into the atmosphere but if you're just going to be speaking all the way you feel listen you're not going to get better and you're not going to see the manifestation of your healing you have to say it I am healed in the name of Jesus and then you know what no matter how you feel you try to get up out of bed and you take a step of faith can I hear a good amen today listen I'm passionate about this because either this is all real or this is all a joke and let's all go home. Let's all go to the beach today. What are we doing? This is true. But you know what? Your words in your mouth are just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. So you need to say what he says. Can I hear a good amen today? It's amazing because Abraham is saying we will return. We will return. This is interesting because as he's following after what God said, he's having different revelations. Do you know that this mountain, Mount Moriah, is what it's called? The highest hill, the highest mountain on Mount Moriah, where Abraham would sacrifice Isaac, or where God would tell him to sacrifice Isaac, the highest peak on Mount Moriah is called Calvary. That's where Jesus would be put on a cross and sacrificed. There's so many correlations here, and there's a reason why. You know, theologians believe that Isaac was about 20 years old. A 20-year-old could take a 105, 120-year-old man. Right? But Isaac willingly laid down on the altar. 
And the Bible says this. Abraham drew his sword. He stretched out his arm. And he was going to be totally obedient. And the angel said, Genesis 22, verse 12. And he said, do not lay a hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. This word fear here is a word reverence. It's a word worship. So God was telling Abraham, through your worship, Abraham, now you know. Now you know. There's the evidence. I was thinking about worship And I was asking myself this question, can you have worship without sacrifice? Can you have love without sacrifice? It's funny, so I was talking with some people about commitment, and it's amazing to me how many people, I think it's more prevalent here where we live, because there's so many things to do. So many people live with FOMO, fear of missing out. And I'm going to tell you something. The only fear and the FOMO I have is missing out from the things that God has for my life because the beach is always going to be there. Disneyland's always going to be there. But we were just talking about how this one person had made a commitment and that they didn't keep their commitment. Oh, something better came along. And I thought, that's funny. Isn't that exactly the definition of commitment? I commit, but then I do whatever I want anyway. Is that the definition of commitment? No, the definition of commitment is because I said I would do it, no matter how I feel, I'm going to do it because I said I was going to do it. That's why oftentimes as we talk about declaration, that's why I say things before I'm going to do it. I'm going to write this new book. Guess what? I'm going to write it because I said I was going to write it and I'm committed to it. Why? Because I said it. But for some people, their commitments don't mean anything. And here's the challenge with me. I can't be committed to you if you're not even committed to your own word. Why would I commit to you? You don't even commit to what you say. Come on. I'm going to be be honest here too. Listen, if you're going to sign up for something at our church, sign up and keep your word. It's amazing when we have 100 people sign up and 20 show up. Keep your word or don't sign up. Amen, Pastor Phil. That's good. It's true. And here we are as Christians And I I look at lists sometimes. I'm like, man, we have 50 people. But you know what? Only 15 are going to show up. Then why'd you sign up? Now, I understand things happen. I totally understand. People get sick. I get it. But I'm telling you what. If I find out that you signed up and you went another way just because you decided, I'm sorry. But I can't be committed to that. Because I want to raise up committed people that want to see a church grow. They want to be and have a community. But community requires commitment. Can I hear a good amen today? I'm not trying to raise up a church with fair-weathered friends. I want to raise up a church that says, we are who we are, and I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. And I signed up, I will be there. Not I signed up, but I'm tired. I understand. But the problem is, is you signed up. So get your action in line with your words. Because what you will find is if you will do that, you will actually grow beyond what you feel. And it's amazing because we want to have a community of faith, but we don't. We have a community of feeling. That everybody acts on what they feel all the time. You will never grow, and you won't see the promises of God in your life. Because I want to tell you one thing about God. He always keeps his word. Always keeps his word. 
And that's where I want to be. Because I think the way you keep your word shows me how you regard God's word. Yeah, that's for relationships. We'll talk about that later. God always keeps his word. That's why if you don't know if you're going to go, say, I don't know. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, I understand something happens. Air conditioner goes out. of church. I, I get that. But you sign up and then you're not there. You know what? My church family, that does, that's not a good look on you. That says a lot about you. And I'm just going to tell you this. And I don't even know why I'm going here because we're going to edit this out later. But I'm going to tell you something. You think that people don't know. People know. And then one day you wake up and you look around, you go, where are all my friends? And you don't got any. You know why? Because your friends aren't committed either. And so you find yourself isolated and you don't find any deep community because you never committed to it. Can I hear a good amen today? I just want to help you. We're not in the grow series, but it's coming. I said it's coming. Because we are the church of the living God. And if there's anybody who says something and needs to do it, it needs to be the church. It needs to be the church. Can you have worship without sacrifice? Can you have love without sacrifice? That's why the Bible says we bring a sacrifice of praise. So it's the time when I'm not feeling it the most that it's a sacrifice when it means the most. That's why David said, I do not want to give to God anything that costs me nothing. Who wants to have a relationship with that guy? I don't want to give you anything unless it costs me something. That's opposite of how everybody thinks. Everybody thinks is I'm out to get what's in it for me. Listen, And at the end of the day, you don't have what you need to have because it was all about you. But David said, everything that I give to God, I want it to cost me something. Can I hear a good amen today? And Abraham, your worship is the result of your obedience. This is what God was saying. So you may be at a place in your life right now where you have needs. You may have a financial need. You may have a physical need. Listen, Abraham didn't try to figure it out. He just did what God said. This is what we call, listen, I hope you, I hope you zoom in. I just hope you zoom in right now. Abraham walked by faith, not by sight. And here's my second point for today. And I want you to notice the Bible said, Abraham lifted up his eyes. Here's number two. There's times in your life where you have to start looking up. Everybody say, look up right? Now you can stare and look at your bills. You can look at your bank account. You can look at your bills and you can look at your bank account. You can constantly look at the problem. You can constantly look at your own ability. But I'm telling you today, the Bible says Abraham looked up. He actually looked up three times. The first time is he looked up to Mount Moriah. In other words, he was looking up and I'm going to say it this way. He's looking up to see Calvary. You have to look up. Now watch this. What happened on Calvary? What happened on Calvary was the greatest human sacrifice ever. Jesus dying on the cross for the sin of humanity. 
humanity. He was looking up for sacrifice. My church family, hear me. I talked about a little bit about sacrifice and worship and love, but there is no resurrection without a sacrifice. There is no resurrection without a death. And you could take that into your business. Sometimes things have to die before other things will raise from the dead. But we cannot talk about resurrection without talking about the crucifixion. So he looked up. The Bible says the second time that he looked up, the Bible says that he saw a ram caught in the thicket. I think that is so important because Abraham said to Isaac, God will provide a lamb for the sacrifice. And as soon as Abraham looked up, he saw what he said. He saw a ram caught in the thicket. This is important. There's nothing insignificant in the Bible. It does not say that the ram was caught with his body because it had to be a an unblemished, spotless lamb. So this was very strategic and it's strategic because the lamb was caught in his thorns. It was caught with his, with um, his horns were caught in the thorns. Let me say it that way. That's better. So what happened was this was strategic because it couldn't be a blemished lamb, but you know what that also represents? It also represents Jesus when they took his crown of thorns And they began to put it on his head. You know, Abraham was able to walk by faith because he had his eyes in the right place. Faith always has a focus. It's not a faith in your faith. Listen, Faith has a focus of always looking at Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Without faith, we can't please God. I love what the Amplified and the Amplified Classic Translation helps us to understand how faith works. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this in the Amplified. Looking away from all that distracts us and focusing our eyes on who? On Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. The first incentive of our belief and the one, listen to this, my church family, the one who brings our faith to maturity. The Amplified Classic adds this, bringing it to maturity and perfection. So here's what I need to do. I need to stop looking at the size of my faith and stop measuring the size of my faith and look up and look to Jesus because no matter the size of your faith, he always makes your faith perfect for what you need. I need more faith. You need to keep looking at Jesus. Because the more you look at Jesus, he is the word and right faith comes by hearing the word. And the more that you look at him, your faith will grow and he will mature it and then he will perfect it. Can I hear a good amen today? And so God will give you the faith that you need for the needs that you have. That's our Jehovah Jireh. So it's not just me looking at my faith. It's looking at Jesus. So I want you today to look and see Jesus. Here's number three. Jesus makes my faith perfect. I'm going to tell you something. Abraham, when he looked up. He had a revelation of Jesus on the cross. The mountain was the same. Everything was the same. How do you know, Phil? 
because Jesus said this. Remember, we read John chapter 5, verse 58. Just a little further down in verse 56, Jesus talks about Abraham. How would you like for Jesus to talk about you and what you're doing? Listen, your father, John 5, 56, your father Abraham rejoiced. Everybody say rejoice. He's about to sacrifice his son. He's in a trial. And you know what? He's rejoicing. Your father Abraham rejoiced. Why? To see my day. Jesus is talking. And he saw it and he was glad. So in this moment that he's about to sacrifice his son, he looks up and he has a vision of Jesus on the cross. Before it's ever happened. He has a vision of Jesus on the cross. And Jesus says, he saw my day and he was glad. You know what? This is what I think. And it just so inspired me. And I think this is the whole purpose of this. Because oftentimes what we do in our lives is we look at our sacrifice. And we think it's a lot. But something happens when you take your eyes off yourself and you look at the sacrifice of Jesus. And you see how much he sacrificed for you. So here is Abraham going to sacrifice his son, but he has a vision of God sacrificing his son. And you know what? I thought for a moment, for those of you that have kids, what this would be like. I love my son. I love him. And I thought for a moment, all the feels, all the emotions of putting my son on an altar. I thought, oh, God. And you see that feeling right there? For those of you that are really thinking this through, God told Abraham, don't sacrifice your son. And although he would spare Abraham from giving his son, God would not spare his only son. And Abraham got it. See, oftentimes I think we try to separate and we think because God's so powerful that he actually doesn't feel things. The Bible says he's in touch with the feelings of our infirmity. And just as I would be so full of emotion to offer my son, that's the way God feels about Jesus. This is why we don't realize how much God loves us because we don't realize how much God loves Jesus. And he gave Jesus for you. The ultimate sacrifice. And remember God said to Abraham, now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son. We can actually say to God, God, I know you love me because you have not withheld your only son from me. You didn't. God spared Abraham from actually doing it. But God didn't stop. He put his son and gave his son for you and I. If you receive that, can you give the Lord a good round of applause today? Are you learning something today? 
The whole purpose was God wanted to show Abraham himself as Jehovah Jireh. Watch this. The third time that Abraham looked up, the angel said to Abraham, watch this. Genesis chapter 22, verse 17. Abraham, because of your obedience, blessed, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the star of the heaven and as the sand on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. This is what God was showing Abraham, is that Abraham, when you see me and understand that I am your provider, that anything that you were to give, I will always, as your God, outgive you. Anytime there's a sacrifice in your life, just know I've given the ultimate sacrifice. And sometimes what we need to know in our sacrifice is that we are being exactly like Jesus because he sacrificed and gave it all. But he says to Abraham, he says, if you'll give me your son, I'll give you multiplied descendants, multiplied blessing. But are you willing to let go with what you got and what you love? And Abraham said, here, God, here's my one and only. And God said, now you understand that when you give and whenever I ask you to give, I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get something to you so you can understand that whenever you give, I, Jehovah Jireh, will always give back to you multiplied in blessings. Or you can keep your Isaac and you can stay and that's all you'll have for the rest of your life. Why? Because you never understood the revelation of what I wanted to be for you. So this is why, and it's tragic, some people never step into this revelation of Jehovah Jireh. Because, here's number four, knowing Jehovah Jireh results in generosity, not in withholding. See, Abraham, and this is the whole reason God asked Abraham to give. Are you ready for this? This is deep. The word Mount Moriah means to see. I looked at the word Jaira and it means provider. But you know what it also means? It also means to see, to perceive, listen, to have vision. This is why we call it provision because God sees what you need. And he will provide with provision. But in order for him to do that, the eyes of your understanding need to be open to look up and to see him as your provider. When you see him as your provider, you're not so concerned about your generosity because you allow it to flow because he is your provision. That's why people who are not generous don't understand this name. Can I hear a good amen today? 
Jesus wants to be your Jehovah Jireh. What so blesses me about this as I read these men and great heroes of our faith is you knew they knew the names of God because it had become a reality to them and it was reflected in their actions. The Lord is my shepherd. I'll beat this giant. Jehovah Jireh is my provider. Here's my one and only. And you can't ever outgive God. I want to say it this way. It's a competition. God says, you give me one, I'll give you multiplied blessings. But you know what's interesting to me? Is one is tough for people. And I'm praying today that you would have a revelation that God will do for you what you never could do for yourself. I want that to be my legacy. I really do. I really want people to go, Phil, it had to be God. It had to be the Lord. It had to be God. I know Phil. Phil? (laughs) It had to be the Lord. To me, that's the greatest testimony. Not he did it all in his own strength. But see, God knew that he had a goal, a picture, a destiny for Abraham's life. Multiplied descendant, multiplied blessing. But Abraham had to see God as Jehovah Jireh. Can I hear a good amen today? If you won't let go, my church family, you can't receive. And that's all you'll have. And you'll never step into this Jehovah Jireh. But when you do and you understand this attribute of his character, that he will supply everything you need, if you would just trust him, you would let go. You know, I'm going to close with this today. I know he's Jehovah Jireh. When we sold our house to move here from El Paso, Texas, we'd only lived there a year. We thought it was our forever home. God told us to move. I know this about God. He's my provider. I know that if I give up a house for him, he has houses that I have not built that I could live in because he is Jehovah Jireh. And I think about that a lot, that if we would have held on and that's our house and, you know, we just got married and all that stuff, I would have missed out on so many blessings. Not that I wouldn't have gone to heaven, but my biggest concern for my life is I want to hit the target of the purpose of my life. So I wrote this book, The Power of Thank You, two years ago. And the reason why I wrote it is because people came up to me and said, prophetically, God, there's a book in you, you have to write it. And I said, okay. And I knew it was stirring. And then somebody that didn't know that person came up to me and said, hey, there's a book in you, you need to write it. I said, okay, I'm going to write it, Lord. What I have found with this book is that I wrote it in such a fashion that if you found it on the street, you could walk through it and it would lead you to a relationship with Christ. That's how I, that's how I wrote it. And so I've found in just moments that I, I would just give it away. I'm just like, and I just want to close with this. You know, I was sitting with some friends and we were just talking and my, some of my family was there. The subject of grace came up and somebody said, Phil, you wrote a book about grace. What is it? And I was like, okay, I just told them right there. Look, I'm not here to sell a book. I just came here to hang out. But I'm going to tell you since you asked. And I want to tell you, my church family, I pray in the spirit every day. And I've been praying because 
I've, I've watched God connect conversations that I wouldn't be able to con- connect by myself. So I'm sitting there. We're at the spaghetti factory eating pasta. Come on, somebody. And so they asked me. I said, okay. So I just started sharing from my heart. Well, the guy sitting in front of me, big old guy, right? Biceps. Had his, you know, cool guy just hanging out. And I noticed, I'm just talking. And I looked at him, and tears started coming down his eyes. And I'm like, okay, we're having a moment right here at the old spaghetti factory. The Holy Spirit is right here, and he's ready to deliver. Come on, somebody. I mean, you can't limit God. And I'm just talking. I wasn't preaching. And, 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 and he just started bawling. And we were going to another church service. He's like, I need to buy your book. All right, here. And I didn't have one on him, and so he, he bought it. We went to the church service. He texted me. He said, I believe that the whole reason I got invited to the church service was to meet you. I said, man, that, that's awesome. We, we did have a moment there in the Holy Spirit. Here's my point. I give away books because, number one, I understand that it's his book that he gave me. And I give away books because I know it touches people. But here's the third reason I give away books, because God is my Jehovah Jireh, and he will provide. I'm going to tell you something. I'm just going to be honest with you. It costs me to give away books because I have to buy them and give them away. So these, I don't get them free. And I'm just saying this because it's so easy for us to withhold so many things. So anyway, I've given away books. So this guy, um, two weeks later, he sends me a text and he says, hey, um, I was so moved by the Holy Spirit when we were talking and I'm, I'm reading your book. He said, the Lord told me to send you an offering. Now notice, I didn't say that's the devil. I said, that's, that's the Lord. I didn't say that. I said, awesome. And so he went into my cash app. He said, you've been such a, I've only known him for two weeks. You've been such a blessing to my life. Do you know my church family, the offering that he gave me paid for every free book that I had given to everybody else and more and more and more. More than money, lives are being touched. But what I'm saying is so many times we just withhold, and it's because we don't have a revelation that God wants to do more than you can do for yourself. Can I hear a good amen today? And let me just say this. That's why so many people are stressed. That's why, because you got to provide for yourself. you got to make it work. you got to make the connections happen. you got to, I'm telling you, God can hook it up. One day of favor is worth a thousand days of labor where you could meet some one person, one person in your life. It just takes one. One connection. When you were actually chilling at Starbucks, you had no idea, and you talk with somebody, and something happens because God brings it together. But my question is, will you allow him to be Jehovah Jireh to you, your provider? And then whatever he asks you to do, no, he's asking you because he wants to show you what he will do through you. That's why he asks. And today, my church family, you, the Bible says, are a seed of Abraham. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Do you know that Abraham is long gone, but the promise that God made Abraham is still alive today because he was willing to give what was most precious to him And guess what? He didn't give Isaac. 
God allowed Isaac to live. So not only did he get Isaac, he got much more. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.